Well, good morning to all of you. Uh, we are going to be talking about patience this morning. It's just a little test of your patience. Wonder, Tom. I could have waited a lot longer. Probably all of you were just wondering if I'd lost my place in my notes. Um, so I thought I would begin with a story, um, which um, is a semi-personal anecdote. So um, this has been probably um, maybe three months ago. Um, our phone line went out, and um, and just because of where we live, we don't have very good cell service. And when our phone goes out, our, our internet goes out too. And so. Um, Elaine called um, the phone company, which we won't mention here by name, but um, um, and um, to let them know that they uh, they weren't living up to their end of the bargain. And um, immediately on um, the um, answering message picking up, she got the message that they were busier than usual, and um, that on. Um, that um, she should use some other way of connecting with them. Um, but um, we didn't really have another way of connecting with them, so she waited on the phone for a little over 160 minutes, which seemed like a long time to me. Um, I, I don't know how, um, how the rest of you all feel about that. Um, and um, over and over we got a message um, about how the phone company offers quick and reliable service and about how their wait times are a little longer due to COVID. So I wasn't sure how that applied in this scenario, but anyway, um, finally she got to talk to a real human being. And um, he talked to her for a couple of minutes on the phone, and then he said, this cell phone connection is not good enough. I can't understand what you're saying. I'm going to hang up and call you back. And he did hang up, um, but we're still waiting on that call back. Um, so fortunately, our phone is is fixed now. But if um, if that story connects with you at all, and maybe just makes you feel just a little frustrated, then maybe this is the right message for you. Um, it strikes me that modern life is full of situations that require patience. Um, they're probably different from the things that required patience um, a thousand years ago, we'll say. But we still need patience today. Um, in most of the books on patients, and I read a couple in, in preparing for this, um, spend most of their time explaining to you why patience is important. Um, as though, you know, someone who picks up such a book um, isn't in seek of um, um, more patients. So it, it just reminded me a little bit of medical conferences where you go to a conference on like a diabetes update and they spend the first um, 62% of the the lecture telling you about how important diabetes is and about how many people are losing limbs because of it and, and um, kidney disease and everything else. But, you know, doctors, when they go to these lectures, they really, they know all that stuff. They've seen that in their practice. They're, they're interested in the update. Um, but maybe there's just not enough update, you know. So, you know, if you, if you can't write a long enough book about patients, you just tell people why they should desire more of it in their life. So... Um, Galatians 5:22 and 23. It's a verse that's on um, the wall behind me, I believe. It says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law." 
And the Greek word um, that in the King James Version is long-suffering, or in more modern translations is patience, um, is the word makrothumia. And that didn't mean anything to me. It was Greek to me. Um, but macro means long, and thumia has to do with wrath or anger. So, um, so long-suffering probably is closer to a, an accurate translation than patience. So, you're, you know, if you're long of temper, if, if, you know, people really have to work on you to get your goat, then um, maybe you're closer to patience than some of the rest of us. Um, but long-suffering also gives the impression of going through persecution um, without giving into it. Um, but there's a lot more to patience than that, isn't there? So what is patience? Well, patience is the ability to endure delay or suffering without getting upset. And I think it's important to realize that that implies that it's something um, that we are doing when we'd rather be doing something else. So, you know, it's waiting or whatever it is, we're, we're impatient with what we're doing um, because we'd rather not uh, be doing that. So, you know, if you are um, in the youth and, um, and you are playing a super fun game and your parents decide to wait an extra 45 minutes to leave, that does not require patience because you are happy with what you're doing, okay? Um, so patience is being more willing to use my brakes than my horn, and maybe some people in Central America could benefit from this. seems to me that when we are not patient, we can go in one of two different directions. Uh, we can become angry or frustrated. Um, the opposite of long-tempered is short-tempered. Um, but the other direction we can go in is discouragement. Um, we're not yelling and pitching a fit, but we certainly are not waiting patiently either. Um, you know, think of Eeyore. You know, so it's never going to happen. It's terrible. And um, if I'm if I'm honest, I tend to go this direction more than than the um, than the frustrated. But both are both are not patient. Okay, so if if you're sitting there and you're not sure if somebody's going to show up. Um, you're, you're, not, um, you're not necessarily waiting patiently. So patience is receiving joy from our journey, even when that journey is taking longer than we'd like. So how do we judge how much patience we have? And, and I think it does depend a little bit on the situation. So, you know, when we're um, hungry or tired or, or um, somebody else has been just kind of messing with us in ways that we don't like. Our patience is not not necessarily so good. But then, you know, when you're when you're just in good shape um, and everything's going well, you can you can deal with some some issues. I was thinking about um, how much patience I have, and um, I used to have more patience before I had children. I had tons of patience, um, and um, and then something about having. Um, Having children just made that patience just like ebb, and it's not near as much as it used to be. Um, maybe it's like um, somebody um, saying, well, I have terribly much self-control when I'm not hungry. Um, you know, just right after I've eaten, I can just say no to all kinds of food. Um, but, um, um, you know, when I'm hungry, it just goes away. I don't know what happened. And, um, you know, we'll get a test of that later on here. Um, not of patience, but of um, self-control. So you all, hopefully you're snacking right now so you can uh, 
have self-control at the uh, meal that follows. So what are some things that take patience? Well, they're worthwhile things that take patience. So I was thinking about um, learning a skill. So if you, if you um, are learning a language that you don't know, it takes months um, and even years to get good at that. Um, schooling. So, you know, to be a family doctor, it takes about 11 years after high school to be a family doctor. If you want to become a, you know, brain surgeon, say it takes a lot more time than that. Um, having a baby. Nine months seems like a long time when you're expecting, um, particularly when you get close to the end. Um, but then there are also some things that just don't seem particularly worthwhile, like waiting for a customer representative who won't help you anyway. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of things in life um, are just a little bit more difficult. It, it's easier to wait patiently if we're sure that there's something good at the end of our wait. So I'm just going to touch on a couple of reasons why we should have patience. Um, so we already mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7 is another list. So, so Paul, was really, Paul and Peter were really good with lists. They gave us lists of things. And you just read down through them and you just, you know, you just feel overwhelmed. Um, so Second Peter 1, 5 through 7 says, And besides this, giving all diligence, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's just a pretty short list. You see the things that are there, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, or self-control, patience, and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. So that's all you need to be a, a true follower of Christ. Um, so patience is one of those things, but there are lots of other things too. Um, so patient, uh, sorry, patient people are happier people. How many of you all think that's true? Wow, everybody thinks that. It, it makes sense, doesn't it? Um, you know, um, impatient people tend to be frustrated with whatever's going on. Um, and, you know, sometimes people have this impression that, you know, you can be patient because God's just going to smooth everything out. He's going to make the, the crooked ways straight, and your life is just going to be breezy after you, um, after you follow Jesus. And unfortunately, that's not, that's not the case. So John 16.33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So getting frustrated or angry doesn't change anything or speed anyone up. It just makes the time that we are dealing with that person go even slower than it was already. Another reason is because God was patient with us. Um, so 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might for, show for, forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them, which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. God was patient with us before we knew Jesus. Um, and he's patient with us now, isn't he? I, we're, not, we're not done yet. Um, and he's still working on us. 
teaching us patience, teaching us all kinds of other things. And Paul says that Jesus demonstrates his perfect patience in dealing with Paul. So, you know, Paul, Paul was pretty good. Um, um, he was really zealous. He, he worked hard, and yet he had been pretty bad before he became a Christian. Um, he, he would say not intentionally so, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and quite simply, we need to be willing to show that same attitude towards other people that God showed to us. It's just like the, the servant who has forgiven so much and then went down to, to get a few thousand dollars out of his fellow servant. Uh, that's, that's what being impatient with other people is like. God has showed the immenseness of his patience to us. We can do uh, the same for others. So God will reward this attitude and behavior. Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that taketh the city. Um, patience is hard, but it will be rewarded. So I'm going to read a passage from 1 Samuel chapter 13. This is a passage that we did in um, Sunday school not so long ago. Um, it's talking about Saul. Uh, is it two Sundays ago, maybe? That's on two or three, anyway. Um, so this is the story of, of Saul not being patient. So unfortunately, there's just not, you know, when somebody waited patiently, usually that just doesn't, um, it, it doesn't get much notice, and that's unfortunate, because I guess nothing happens, right? And it's like God, God was pleased that he waited patiently, but then, you know, they just move on. So we have so many negative um, Negative story. So, 1 Samuel 13, I'm going to read five, verses 5 through 14. And the Philistines gathered themselves together with Israel to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash, eastward from Beth Haven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets, and in rocks, and in high places, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, as he, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed. So it's Samuel's fault, right? And thou camest on when the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So the situation is pretense here, wasn't it? There are lots and lots of Philistines 
And not only that, but the Israelites were leaving. Saul's army, which wasn't very big, okay? So, you know, you have thousands and thousands of Philistines, and Saul has, you know, maybe three or 4,000 men. That's what um, previous chapters say. He handpicked some men, he trained them, but, you know, it's not a big army. And, um, and they are melting away. A lot of them are crossing Jordan to get to the other side, just to get a little farther away. So, you know, maybe a little bit like in Ukraine, how people in the, in the eastern part of the country are, are going to Poland or they're going to Romania or they're moving to the west part of Ukraine just to be farther away from the fighting. And, and Saul is seeing his army shrivel away. And I don't think Saul was a bad person. In fact, I think Saul was a doer. He was somebody who wanted to get things done. If he saw a job to do, he wanted to get to it. He said, you know, we've got this army, whatever, however big it is, we'll go out and fight them. But we have to wait on Samuel, and Samuel's not showing up. And what are we going to do? Because we really shouldn't go out without offering an, a sacrifice. And so he waited a week. And in a time before cell phones, a week is a long time. You know, I'd have been texting Samuel. Yeah, Samuel? Samuel? We're here, Gilgal. Where are you at? You're, you're really, you're on the other side of Jordan. Um, can, can you speed up your donkey? <laughs> Asking lots of questions. Where is he? But you don't have that, right? It's the unknown often makes patience more difficult. And finally, he said to himself, I don't act now. I won't have an army left to challenge the Philistines. And yet, at just a few chapters earlier, we know that his son and his armor bearer alone had challenged the Philistines, hadn't they? And had won a great battle. And so, he decided to offer the sacrifice himself. And it says that just at the time that he finished with this sacrifice, Samuel showed up. So, you know, of course, if he'd had a cell phone, this wouldn't have happened. Because he'd have known, you know, Samuel's just, you know, a mile down the road. <clears throat> and it's clear that Saul knew that what he had done was wrong. He knew that he shouldn't have done it. And so he says, I forced myself to do it. And um, so what should Paul, Saul have done? Well, waited, of course, right? I mean, that's the simple answer. Um, and this is easy to, to say, but we can't force God to act on our behalf on our timetable. So God acts on his own timetable, and it's not ours, and that's okay. So we saw that earlier in the book of Samuel, whenever the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, brought the ark to the front line. They thought they would leverage their God for their victory, and that just doesn't work. Um, you, but you can still do things while you're waiting, can't you? Okay, Saul could have been doing military drills, getting his men better at fighting. Um, you could have revival meetings where you focus your men on God. You can have times of prayer and fasting. Um, but what we know is that impatience here was judged very harshly. So the kingship would be taken away from Saul's line and given to someone after God's own heart. But I think the important thing to me is that patience does not mean just sitting like jello in a bowl. Patience means making sure our spirit is calm in times when we're not happy with what is going on. And maybe finding useful things to do while we're waiting. So dealing with things that try our patience. So 
I think our tendency is to focus on situations. Probably as you've been thinking this morning, you've been thinking about situations, uh, maybe this last week, last while, where your patience was tried. Um, but I really believe that most of the time when we struggle with patients, we are not struggling with something, we are struggling with someone. So Samuel was the person that Saul was impatient with. He wasn't, um, and maybe, maybe he was impatient with other things. Abraham was impatient with God. Um, you know, you can be impatient with yourself. So we're going to break this down. We're going to talk about impatience with God, impatience with other people, and impatience with ourselves. Um, and then maybe we're going to spend just a little bit of time thinking about um, patience with our church situation. So Impatience with God, and I think this is a really hard thing to deal with. Most of us will hardly ever admit that we are frustrated with God's timetable. So two different stories came to my mind um, from the Old Testament, both of them involving 40 days. So 40 days in the ark. Um, so we know that Noah was in the ark for 40 days. He was actually in the ark a lot longer than that, but it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, you know, what was Noah doing? He, he, was, he was taking care of animals. Maybe he was um, um, playing dominoes and, you know, he played rook and chess so many times he just was tired of them. Whatever games they brought along, you know, probably wouldn't play dominoes, actually, thinking about it, you know, because the rocking of the ark would probably, you know, kind of send them all over the place. Card games might be better. But anyway, regardless, he was getting tired. And his family was getting tired, and his daughters-in-law were getting tired, and they just all were frustrated. Um, and eventually, that time was over. And we don't hear much about that, do we? We just, we just know that he started sending out birds, and eventually the birds didn't come back, and so then he, was, uh, he knew it was time that uh, they could go out of the ark. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days, and... Um, you know, did Moses need to be patient? No, no, he really didn't. Um, he was doing something. He was talking with God. And I think when you're talking with God, you just, you know, you're, you're probably, um, you're, you're, you're okay. You don't need to have a high level of patience. But the people down below did need to have a lot of patience, and they didn't. Um, I can't imagine, you know, that... Um, uh, your leader goes up on the mountain and... and you know, over a month goes by and you've not heard from him. And it's dry country and he didn't have that much food and water with him. What's going on? And they just were sure that, that Moses was dead. He's pretty old, you know. He's over 80. Um, and he just probably didn't make it. And it's time to, time to move on. And so the people were frustrated with Moses. They were frustrated with God. Um, and they did some bad things as a result. 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God doesn't view time in the same way that we do, does he? I can't imagine thinking of a thousand years as a day. Um, but God knows the difference. He knows, he knows our lifespan as well. Um, but maybe it's just a little bit like 
the difference in size between a big ant and a small ant isn't really that big a deal to us, but to ants, it's a huge deal. Um, but the fact that God's timing is different from our timing just says that he's so much greater than us. Um, and he understands. So when you're traveling with your, your children who are below a certain age and they, they start asking, um, you know, by the time you hit Marysville Road, are we there yet? Um, and then usually someone has to go to the bathroom not too long after that. Well, you know, maybe that's the way we are with God. You know, we, we are adults and so we have a little more patience, but we have a different timetable from God. And God's waiting is evidence of his mercy, mercy for us and mercy for other people. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And those who wait on God, who trust him wholly to do what is right, will be rewarded. And they will be rewarded with strength, energy, and endurance. Um, people who have confidence that God is good, even when they're dealing with hard times, will be able to wait patiently on him. I was thinking of the story of Abraham and Sarah waiting for Isaac, and I'm not going to read that this morning, um, but we know that Sarah took matters into her own hands, and, and a boy, Ishmael, was born as a result. And I had to ask myself, would, would it have hurt God to move his timetable up a little bit? He knew that... Sarah and Abraham's patience was at an end. They were worried. They weren't sure if they were going to have a child, an heir. And the answer is, no, it wouldn't have. And yet, God always does things in ways in which he is glorified and in which our faith is increased. And sometimes that means waiting. Sometimes that makes means us shrinking down to the very smallest that we can be so that God can be his greatest in our lives. Overcoming impatience with fellow humans. Um, so even when we're dealing with impatience with God, we, we tend to take it out on our fellow humans. Um, it's just a lot easier. It's, it's hard to get mad at God. I mean, you can. Um, and there have been people who shook their fists at the, at the sky or things like that. But um, But that's you know, we tend to take it out on people around us, people that are, that are beneath us, who have to listen to our, our rants or whatever. Um, so how do we deal with impatience with fellow humans? Well, I think it starts with the, um, with the golden rule. Matthew seven twelve says, Therefore all things whatsoever you would men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So patience is something that uh, we value more in other people than we value in ourselves. Um, so, you know, you value patience more in the vehicle behind you than in the vehicle in front of you. How can that be? Well, because the one in front of me, if he's, if he's poking along, that slows me up. But if the one behind me is giving me plenty of space, then that's okay. Um, as we are learning to do different tasks, it's nice if people will give us room to grow. And we should be willing to do the same thing for other people, shouldn't we? Second Corinthians 9, 11, and 12, this is from the ESD, says, 
Um, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And so I think one of the biggest things with patience is just realizing how blessed we are. Uh, you know, when we realize how much we have been given, we are willing to bless other people, even when they are slow folks. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. And I guess I would just take that little bit out of there. Pray for people who you are impatient with. Think about what it is that drives you crazy about them um, and, and just pray for them. It may not help them at all, but it will help you a bunch in your attitude towards that person. So if we can pray for our enemies, surely we can pray for people that we feel frustrated with. So dealing with impatience with ourselves. Um, I read that um, when we are bored, we are expressing a dissatisfaction with ourselves and our ability to, uh, to entertain ourselves. And I think this is one of the most difficult things to deal with. Um, um, some of my children are really prone to boredom, and um, it doesn't take them very long in a, in a place where things are just not happening as fast as they would like before they, they express that. Um, but I get bored too, um, and, and I get impatient with myself. You know, there, there are times when a, a task just isn't going the way that I would like. I've tried to put this bolt in 16 times, and it just not going through the hole the way it should or you know maybe it's the fault of the people who put the thing together over in China and then took it apart and sent it to me but it's just not working right and I am getting frustrated so we're often harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else and I do think there are a few things that we can uh, that we can remember that are going to help us with this so first Thessalonians 5:18 says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So be grateful. Focusing on things uh, that we have to be thankful for usually makes a difference in our perception of ourselves. Exodus 33:14, And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. So I think rest and specifically sleep are crucial to patience. Um, so when we're running on too little sleep, and are mentally tired, we're going to struggle with things, okay? You don't learn well when you're, when you're in that um, kind of scenario. And if there's a difficult task that, that requires a lot of, um, like, precision, you're, you're just not going to do it as well. And so sometimes the best thing to do is just to go to sleep. Say, you know, I am going to leave this till tomorrow morning or <laughs> some other time when I'm better rested and I'm going to sleep. That is not... A cowardly thing to do, that is a smart thing to do. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And I would say that one of the most important things for us is to get back to basics. So often we fill up our time with good things, and we lose track of who we are and what our goals are. 
I was thinking about this, and, and it seems to me that sometimes we just need to read the instructions. You know, men are, men are pretty bad at looking at a stuff that comes out of a box, and they think, you know, I don't really need the instruction for this. So it seems pretty obvious. Um, and so they just jump into it. And then halfway through, they've got the wrong bolts left over, and then they have to take it apart. And that's, that's sort of frustrating. Um, so in life, refocus yourself on what is important. And then Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Um, and we can ask God for help, but we can also ask members of the brotherhood for help too. Um, it can be asking someone to pray for us or with us about something. It can be asking for help in something that we just don't have the skills to do. Um, the beauty of a church community is that we aren't and shouldn't be alone. We can ask for help. Romans 2, 3, and 4, And thinkest thou this, O man, that thou judgest them which do, do such things, and doest the same thing, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despise the, the richness of his goodness, and the forbearance and longsuffering, no knowing that, God, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So God has extended to us forbearance and patience and kindness. Um, maybe we think this is only true um, prior to our conversion, but it's true afterwards too. And if God is willing to extend these things to us, he says that he thinks we are worth extending them to. We can extend them to ourselves as well. One of the best ways to build patience is just to deliberately slow down. Take a few moments to soak in the beauty of a sunset or smell the flowers or listen to your children and appreciate this moment without any thought of what goals you're driving towards. Patience is realizing that the journey is valuable because of who you are journeying with, not just because of where you are going. Patience with our church situation. So this is something that... Uh, so I shared this message at Floyd. I did not share this, this part of it down at Floyd, um, but I just, it was kind of on my heart, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about this. So I'm sure many of you will have fe felt some frustration over the last, uh, well, we've been here a little over five years. Um, you all have been here longer than that. I mean, not in this building that whole time, fortunately. Uh, although food and drink was brought in, I guess it would be okay. Um, but if I'm honest, I've been a little impatient with the process. Um, but I think there are a few things that we can learn about this. And these are probably more widely applicable too. So the first thing is that church situations are never done. So I don't know if that's an encouraging thought at all. So if you had asked me, what was it, two years and nine months ago, whenever we were first hearing about COVID, whether we'd be, we'd be done with COVID now, I would have said, absolutely, we'll be done with COVID. We won't even, we, we won't even know what COVID is. It'll be just a blip. And, um, and we're still diagnosing lots of people with COVID. So, you know, church situations are like COVID or influenza. They're here to stay, okay, because cause we're people, Okay, I'm a people and you're a people. And when you get lots of people together, you have lots of opinions. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, 
if you move to a church situation where everything seems great, it's probably just because you don't know the people well enough. Um, and once you get to know them better, things just may not be quite as good. So Satan is constantly trying to drive wedges. He wants to tear churches apart, and that's just the way it is. So, you know, church situations are like COVID. If you don't hear anything else this morning, maybe that's something to take home with you. Second thing is we need to give up on <clears throat> the idea that the goal of church is to make everybody like me. And as wonderful a church would be of all John Waldron's, um, it, would be, it would be kind of a weird church too. Uh, anybody else who attended would certainly feel out of place, wouldn't they? Um, so Paul asked the question, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? Um, and part of patience in a church setting is realizing that God has different roles and purposes for each of his children in the church. A church situation is like sculpting, okay? And I'm not a sculptor, so, you know, if you, if you ask me, I can make snakes with Play-Doh, okay? That's about my max. Um, but I can't do much more than that. Um, but slow is better. Uh, so a sculptor takes a block of stone, maybe marble, maybe some other kind of stone, and just starts to chisel, chisel away on it to reveal a statue or a couple of statues underneath. And the challenge is that it's, it's like, um, you know, Paul, if you, if you cut your board too short in the shop, you don't have a board stretcher, do you? No, it's just yeah. not yet. So hopefully they come up with it. They've all kinds of new technology. I'm sure they'll come up with that. Um, in the same way, if the sculptor chips away too much stone in one given area, he can't put it back. Um, there's a story of Michelangelo who was working on a sculpture called the Florentine Pieta. And he worked on it from the time he was 70 years old until um, sometime past his 78th birthday. Is a carving of Nicodemus and Mary holding the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. And at some point, Michelangelo had worked on this and worked on this, and he became angry. And he took his chisel and he just started beating on the thing and knocked off some of the arms and legs. Um, and fortunately, his assistant rescued the sculpture and, and took it away um, and um, gave it to somebody else and said, See what you can do with this. Um, and so it still exists today. But it is a blessing that God does not give up on us. And he does not start just beating on us with his hammer and saying, you have not done what I expected to you. Eight years, I've given you 25 years, and you are still not where you should be. He is patient with us. He gently chips away at us, and he never is surprised by a flaw in us. He works with that, and he never hurries. And that's a blessing, because it takes a lifetime for us to become who God wants us to be. Genesis 2.7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God spoke the universe into existence. He snapped his fingers in stars and suns and 
galaxies came into existence. And yet when it came to making humans, he stooped down and he got down on his hands and knees in the earth and he molded us and made us and took time with us because he thought we were worth it and because he wanted us to be as perfect as he could make us. And I think the same thing is true for us today, both in our own lives and in our church's life. Another thing is that we need to look at progress, not simply the need for improvement. So patience leads to positivity. It leads us to realize that God is still active. His hand is not shortened, nor his arm weakened. His thoughts are still higher than our thoughts, and he still has plans for us and for our church that are wonderful. And maybe the key to patience is contentment. It's being satisfied with both our current progress and our potential for the future. And maybe our biggest struggle is that unlike the sculptor, we cannot see the beautiful statue inside the stone. We only see a scuffed, chipped piece of marble that looks like a waste of time to deal with. But God doesn't see that. So I'm just going to run through a few things that I think are helpful for um, increasing patience. And I'm going to try not to take too much time because, you know, it's, um, it takes a lot of patience to sit through a sermon, even if it's uh, a really interesting one. So I think I would be better at patience if it didn't take so much time. So I was talking to a, a lady, and she told me that she was afraid to pray for patience um, because she said, every time I do, my life just gets turned upside down. I end up getting in a traffic jam or my children just misbehave uh, more than usual. Um, but... I think we should. I think we should go ahead and pray for that. You know, it's okay. Um, maybe first of all, be honest with ourselves. Realize situations in which our our, um, our patience may be tested a little bit more. Um, I um, I can see on my schedule. Um, I can look ahead and I can, you know, I can know um, that I've got patients coming in that are. Um, you know, two or three days down the road that are going to be a little bit more challenging, and um, and I can maybe prepare for them. And maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe maybe we should just let the um, sufficient into the day is the evil thereof. Um, but I think it also helps us to um, to prepare if we know we have a big thing coming. Um, try to rest up for it and and pray about it. Another thing is slow down. So I mentioned Central America, and in Central America, if you have a burning desire to get something done, um, and people will promise you all kinds of stuff. Oh, yes, I'll show up there. Um, and, um, and then they don't show up to help you out. And that, that can be frustrating for um, North Americans down there. And you, you get in touch with them. They say, you, Jorge, you weren't over here. I, I, you said you were going to be here. Oh, yes, I'll be here. Um, when will you come? Manana, that's what they say, tomorrow. They don't mean tomorrow. They mean when I get around to it. Um, but we don't have to have everything done tomorrow. Sometimes it helps us to slow down. Take the slow way home from work. Um, some of you all live like, you know, a quarter of a mile from where you work, so that's not, not helpful. But, um, but there is a blessing to slowing down. Um, Practice with smaller things. So, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least 
is unjust also in much. So I find it easier to be patient when I'm not in a hurry. The only problem is that I always seem to be in a hurry. Um, meditate. So I think it's important that we realize when we have a time where we are waiting, we can do something with that time. Um, and something more than just your cell phones. You know, you, we have smartphones and we can get them out and start, you know, emailing or something. But, but sometimes it's good just to sit there and think on a passage of scripture that you read, to listen to God's voice. Um, there was a, a lady named Sarah Pollard. Um, she didn't like the name Sarah, and so she changed her name. I don't know that she legally changed it, but she asked everybody to call her Adelaide. And she desired to serve God by going to Africa as a missionary. Um, and she went around trying to raise money for such a mission trip, and the money just didn't come in. And she said later that she was in great distress of the soul and went to a little prayer meeting where an older woman asked for prayer that she might discern God's will. And she went back to her room that evening, and in thinking about the story of the potter and the clay in the book of Jeremiah, wrote the song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And I'm afraid that we're a little too much like the clay that is impatient with the potter. We don't like what God is doing in our lives. We think he's making a mess of things, and he's taking too long to do it. And we cry out to him that he is just doing something wrong. Hurry up. And yet anything worthwhile is worth waiting on. God is patient with us because he knows us. We need to be willing to be still and listen and to wait. It will be worth it. And this is just a little thing that I read um, that I thought just spoke to me. It says, I am willing to receive what thou givest, to lack what thou withholdest, to relinquish what thou takest, to surrender what thou claimest, to suffer what thou ordainest, to do what thou commandest, to wait until thou sayest go. Amen.